though there are hundreds of things that i would like to ask but i'll keep it to the topic but the assumption there is a very huge assumption with the minority word we are saying that minority is weak and small that's what we assume all the time and first of all there are so many states in which hindus are minority right. which is completely taken out like mr mohandas why also talked about linguistic minority which is also taken out so the, obviously the, there are things in the constitution which are completely discriminating against the hindus itself but the but the assumption behind uh, behind uh, being a minority is that it's always weak and feeble and it cannot it can be easily harmed but uh, if you just look at this indian army is also also a minority i mean the four armed forces of india in numbers is a minority i mean if we talk about power and aggression i mean the forces can take over the whole country in a minute and uh, i mean this assumption has to go that minorities are weak Yeah. It's a very false assumption. So this argument we can stretch it to any extent, right? The ruling class throughout civilization has always been a minority, right. and the whole crowd just follows it. So actually, you're right. But their argument is about relative numbers. So you know, and and obviously they insist and harp on that. Uh, and and um, you know, th- there is this other angle. I think you brought out a beautiful point there about um, Hindus being a majority a minority right. in many uh, states. So they've done a wonderful thing for this. so they realize that the uh, majority minority configuration or that arrangement will not change on the in, when it comes to language but it will change when it comes to religion so we now have over the past two decades slowly we have a national committee for uh, commission for minorities and a national commission for minority educational institutions and in under those acts the uh, the, the act defines that the definition of who is a religious minority shall be done by the central government because the courts in you know, i think kerala education bill in the 50s itself declared that you know it shall be the state government that shall declare who is a minority so the problem that you highlighted would not be there because then the state government would be forced to declare hindus as minority in those states states so they have now taken away that power so they have this uh, rule of i think in the first clause of both those acts under a sub clause they'll say the central government shall notify a religious minority but they don't take any such power to themselves for linguistic minorities and the state governments inevitably so there is this local language angle right so in karnataka for example if a government is benevolent in granting linguistic minority to tamils or telugu people and so on there'll be a local backlash so using that as the reason the state government anyway is very stringent when granting linguistic minority status so that's why i said 80% of the linguistic majority in any state are hindus but the state government is you know uh, not very benevolent there and overall in the nation where we are 80% religious uh, majority from the religious angle the central government has taken away the power so if you study this one by one right you will start believing that this is very systematic and planned and and not just a you know uh, coincidence on how it has manifested but the other but the other side is also a little uh, if if they fragment hinduism on basis of linguistic minority then also it could uh, lead to because then they can use that agenda to you know fragment the religion right. further like if they say okay hindu okay this lingayat community is a minority so we'll give them some rights and they will give different rights to Uh, it will and fragment they, and they, they are already doing it so no the only point i was making was uh, there is one loophole today to get those much deserved rights through the linguistic route my limited point was they are squeezing us on that also yeah. but your bigger point is absolutely correct so we are not asking for that they saying take away that also in fact my favorite example to quote is in karnataka right a kannadiga if he has to open a medical college 
which has nothing to do with language, which has nothing to do with uh, religion, he probably has to comply with some 200 rules or maybe even more. But if a Tamil team, team of Tamilians who want to open a medical college in Karnataka, because of their right, they probably have 1520. It's very weird, right? The medical college has no connection with language or religion in the strict sense. So, you know, it will fragment. When we are talking, we are discussing from the only Indian angle. But this whole question of whether Muslims and Christians are minorities should be taken from the global perspective, because there how it should uh, go. And another thing was, that for the global perspective, who is minority and majority and how they play, is it, this has to be taken into that level. That was one observation. And another one, uh, what is the meaning of minority? Will the minority will remain minority till they are 49.5%? What is the meaning and question? This whole question of minority and majority has to be taken into different uh, contexts now. I mean, that's, uh, that's a limited observation yeah. and comment. I went. You're right on both. I fully agree on that. But uh, there have been again some interpretation by courts where, you know, I think some really big references to the Supreme Court need to be made on some of these issues. Can you reinterpret this and give us? Issues we don't know anything. We see injustice. We keep quiet unless. No, I think the first problem is we are not seeing the injustice because we are blindfolding ourselves and I think a part of the result that we should aim to achieve through Hindu Charter is to open that blindfold and make people see. And like you rightly said, we should be connected to our roots unless yeah. we do yoga, meditation, we have a guru. Our yeah. culture, our tradition, if you don't honor your own tradition, what will you understand about Hindu problems? You say, ah, temple, if it is controlled by Hindus, they will loot. We have seen historically. That also, I think, is fed Even in the that's textbooks. That's what Hindus so say. If say. you talk about free temples, they say, yeah, 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 but too few people, exactly. the trust will uh, loot. They don't understand. And this whole angle about corruption and eating away money, and that happens in any institution. You cannot take away control because there is corruption. You, you, you need to punish people and make an example and stop corruption. Regulate, regulate it as if it's a secular body. Yeah, I think you. Actually, there's one one more charter point I want to add. Like you know, we have this rule that if you're a SC uh, SC person, you have to be a Hindu, Buddhist, or Sikh. They should do the same thing for scheduled tribe and OBC, and that will help uh, stem the tide of evangelization. Uh, because, because they yeah. because they're already getting uh, uh, getting benefits as Christians and Muslims. So why do they also get coupled benefits of STOBC? So this is like the great best example for, uh, you know, to, to convince anybody that this is for vote block and, you know, appeasement, right? So because they will lose it, they will lose the vote if they don't continue to grant them the rights once they convert or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's continued. I mean, so this is another form of blatantly, I mean, in the sense, uh, blatantly not sticking to principles, I would say. So, you know, if your whole point but, was... But do you think we can legally push this to restrict STOBC to the same categories that apply to... It should be included in your charter. Yeah. It should be included in your charter. I mean, that is a... I think we because will, that's will dual, consider. that's yeah. dual benefits. I think legally it can be done. I mean, if it's encoded, then that becomes the... I mean, whatever objections courts may have or the way they re interpret it, that can be taken care of. Uh, sir, I'm sorry if I missed out on this, but if the constitution explicitly says that the government will not finance or fund institutions which uh, which teach religious uh, doctrines or beliefs or whatever, then how is it that the government funds madarsas in various states and it's, it's a part of state policy? So how is it like this? Is, isn't it in contradiction with what the constitution? Yeah. So the you are right, and I think the one point I highlighted there was this uh, the the phrase there which says specifically appropriated. Article twenty seven 
says if your tax is specifically appropriated for the promotion of a particular religion, then that's not allowed. So like I said, what they are saying is, we have this consolidated fund. Hey, this is a pool. All of you are paying, you know, income tax, corporate tax, wealth tax, blah, blah, blah. Everything is coming into this pool. From that we are taking away. There is no way we are picking your money and giving it to a madrasa or a church. So a very, very weird, but legally sound. I mean, constitutional legal, uh, legality point of view, it is being held as valid. Then does your charter demand negate this? Yes, Article 27 Amendment, we are just saying, you know, make it absolutely clear, no favoritism to any religion from a spending point of view. Now, demographics has been changed, that is a reality. And now, if uh, this thing is done, you know, like, uh, like, it sounds good, very good, excellent. But uh, there are districts which are, you know, minorities are now majority. Mm -hmm. And they have connections internationally. So government is very easy to blame. Everybody can put everything on government. But it is about how you project it to the world. Mm -hmm. Because we are minority in global sense. But we are majority. And they demonize majority here. So they have demonized it for 70 years. Because and now they have fragmented to that level where Sikhs consider themselves as different. And right. Jains. Right. Uh, so no, they asked Lingayats, you know, I come from that state and they, I mean, they in fact published a big one-page uh, advertisement in major newspapers in Karnataka saying, number one reason we are want to go is the benefit under Article 31. So, you know, they will ask and this is what we are saying that it will fragment society more. The other thing that I want to add is, I think the solution one way out of this may be to go into a regime of open data. See, today, I'll give you an example. The Sachar Committee report came and, you know, it targeted uh, analysis of Muslims specifically and they tried to highlight whether it's uh, a sound research or not, we'll not get into that. But that report was meant for the Muslim community. Now, the 15-point program that came as a result of, you know, piggybacking on that thing applies to all minorities. And the main focus of that research was, you know, economically they are suffering, they're in bad condition and so on. And then they are giving that benefit, benefit to... Parsis and Jains and Christians and there is other data which openly says you know highest level of education in the country if calculated on a religious basis these communities economically they are prospering there is simply no argument but we don't bring this together and have a you know open data regime like I say you know open discussion on all of this so unless we develop that culture so to say where we are open about wanting to change this we will go deeper into the